What is up, wrestling fans? It's that time of the week for them boys from 607 Podcast to talk all things pro wrestling and call it right down the middle. That's right, you are tuned in to 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, better known as 607TWS. We are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. And hell, even though we're not in the dungeon, you know it's still, we are still the realest pro wrestling podcast on the planet. Mm-hmm. That's right. I said it, and I don't regret it, because it's the truth. And I am your host here at 607 TWS, but I am also the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich, and joining me in the co-pilot's chair as he does each and every week... He is the man that you mostly know for being the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? You know, the fact that I have not fallen asleep after only four hours of sleep and on the second podcast in the same day recording, there's a peek behind the curtain, is a miracle. True. But I am ready to talk some pro grappling, and we got a big show. Mm-hmm. We got uh, in the in the main event of the show. We got the State of the Union. Last week we talked AEW. I'm gonna get to that in a second too. Uh, remind me. Uh, we did the State of the Union AEW. This week we're doing like the Indies, which is also going to include New Japan Pro Wrestling and Impact Wrestling because, as we know, there's it's smaller stuff to deal with. Right. Not the second largest company in the United States. By the way, had some great conversations about uh, from people who listen to the AEW State of the Union. Not so many people as I thought that were going to be like, oh, why do you hate AEW? A couple of them were like, kind of harsh. I'm like, listen, I saved all the harshness. I didn't even give you the harsh shit. I just gave you the real real. Like, I could get a little harsher because there's a lot of stuff going on. And trust me, in the opening segment of the show, we'll get to that in a second. There might be, it's not going to be harsher on them, but there's a big thing going on that needs to be rectified amazingly quick if mm-hmm. you will. oh yeah but before we get there the second uh, the mid card of the show we're gonna have the indie roundup gcw had a huge weekend this past weekend they got another big weekend coming up next weekend we're gonna review and preview game changer wrestling plus we're also gonna talk in the mid card about impact wrestling rebellion 2023 we sat down and watched that on dog's birthday yes yeah, it was a good time uh, of course 24 hours removed from that pretty much uh, as we're recording on monday right now and we're gonna talk all about that because it was a great card and we're gonna talk about it and of course in the opening segment we are going to give you the uh, rundown from New Japan's collision shows. Of course, Capital Collision in Washington, D.C. and Philadelphia Collision, respectively. But before we do that, we're going to talk about Nick Khan addressing once again the <laughs> Triple H's the head of creative, which I know we're talking to a wall, but we're going to still do it because, hey, the source is Nick Khan. And before that, we're going to talk this whole CM Punk stuff coming up. Once again, we'll get to that in a minute. They do need to rectify whatever's going on there. All that and more. We also have a little, I don't want to call it a PSA. I think we scare people away. It's not a PSA, but there was a internet uh, question that got brought up that I'm going to address about pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to address that in a moment. But before we do that, let's find, let's tell the fine folks how to find the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. We like interacting with everybody. Check out the T Public store. Check out the Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. One tier 
and it's two dollars a month and you get a lot of content on the way parlay points blog section music section the classifies where you can find friends of the show such as three fun podcast dragon master games the directory basically if it's anything and everything it is the odph you can find it at odphpodcast.com of course if you would like to find myself and the three fn podcast is simple three fn podcast.com we got all our social media links there t public link is there patreon patreon.com slash three fn podcast for as little as one dollar a month you get a ton of extra bonus content plus you help support everything we do here including 607 tws and so much more also uh while you're at it there's the musical directory which features bands such as floodlands whose song ruins is the theme song for 607 tws and also our good friends at second suitor whose song one winged angel is the song you hear at the end of every episode of 607 tws make sure you check out all the great bands over there in the musical directory and check them out on youtube music spotify and bandcamp to support them because they support us also while you're at the website there is links for 607 tws the 3fm podcast and even friends of the show like the odph you can stream all the shows from there or go over to odphpodcast.com from there as well and last but certainly not least there's a sponsor section that helps bring you they bring us uh, commercial free for mm-hmm. 607 tws 3fm podcast and everything else we do big shout outs to dragon master games make sure you visit them on the World Wide web for all your magic the gathering and gaming needs dragonmastergames.com shout it out to them well Let's dive in a little pre-show, kind of like, shouldn't say pre-show because we're in the show, but a little pre-game, if you wheels. There was this big thing that went down on the internet this week, and I want to address it up front and right on Front Street, and then we're going to give you some good news before we jump into the show, okay? Okay. You always wrap it up, but the big thing, if you didn't see it going around, was uh, there was a person on Twitter, I'm not going to mention him because fuck him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Who threw out a thing just being, trying to get reaction, and they got it, (laughs) so kudos and congratulations, but it is something that you hear from uh, uh, vets of the business, if you will, and me being a former person that worked in the wrestling business for over a decade, mm-hmm. I can, I'm going to weigh in on this as well. And of course, what was said was that it is unprofessional and it makes you look like a mark if you ask for a picture from other wrestlers. And if you want to take pictures, you should sit in the seats and not be in the ring. And I'm going to tell you this. First of all, I'm going to throw it out there. First of all, it's bullshit. Take pictures. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's just get that out in the open right quick. And I'm going to give you the reasons why in a minute. But let me give you the reason why veterans have said that for a long time when i came up in the business i'm aging myself because i was in the business from roughly right about 2003 2004 through 2015 yes right around that time maybe a little longer i might be off a year or two but i know 2015 was definitely the end date yeah 2015 you were out december of 2015 if i'm if i'm going to be exact but anyways yeah uh so at, when i first came into the business in the early 2000s phone cameras weren't a thing so if you wanted to picture at a wrestling show you either had to have a camera mm-hmm. or a disposable camera right or polaroids but you see the thing with polaroids is back when i was first in the business polaroids were something that guys made to make money mm-hmm. so you would get fans would want to take a picture with you and you'd pay ten dollars for a polaroid or five dollars or whatever it is for the polaroid right right and they would use their camera in a polaroid and the wrestler would give you the polaroid because obviously if you guys i don't know if the young kids don't know what polaroids are just look about by the internet i could explain it <laughs> it was pretty much an instant instant picture yes uh, old school style you know <laughs> but anyways you used to sell those so back in those times most of us didn't carry cameras on us and the only cameras available were Polaroids, and Polaroids cost money. Mm-hmm. And the only reason, so instead of wasting that film for the Polaroid on just taking making memories, guys were selling them. So you're not going to take ten dollars out of a guy's pocket for you know just to get a picture with your buddy, right? How you know times have changed though. Times have changed. Now we have camera phones. Mm-hmm. There, you know, so things have changed with the business. But 
back then it was kind of like don't be a mark whatever whatever but i think it was more of a way and i've conferred with some other people that i know mm-hmm. and when we've really boiled it down that we think that the reason why that was always the thing is instead of admitting that we didn't want to waste polaroid pictures because we you know trying to make that money bear right right uh we just wanted to you know said hey fuck it don't be a mark mm-hmm. you know what i mean but even back then there would be some times when somebody would have a you know a disposable camera a camera and there would be pictures but not a lot you you, you just didn't see it a lot you mm-hmm. know what i mean if that does that make sense yeah because i mean back then it wasn't as much of a digital age and everything was out there i mean it, it, it like it was more closed in right so then as time went on of course i guess i up to 215 and you're gonna be like we're rich there was definitely camera phones by 2015 that's true but a lot of people still kept to that old school mentality right there was created previous to us mm-hmm. even be selling polaroids at independent shows you know it is what it is right yeah it was what it was you I know mean, the fans might have a camera but in the back we weren't carrying because you carried what you needed mm-hmm. and the only camera we had was the polaroid camera but yes later on there would be phones but that just carried over so we were always told not to be a mark and it was a fucking mistake okay it was a mistake it was it was, it was dumb it was a stupid mistake and i'm going to tell you the the personal reason why and it's, it's a reason a lot of guys are going to give We've lost too many fucking people that we don't have those chances with now. Mm-hmm. I think in my possession, I may have two pictures of me and Brody. Brody Lee, that is, for, you know, just to be. And I worked with him at least twice a month for years. He's a friend. He, I can't get a picture with him again. Two pictures, maybe. And I'm, I'm stressing to think. I was sad to think about it. I don't even know if I have two pictures. I think I do, though. I think I have two. One with me and him with a group of people and maybe just one of me and him. And it was just out at the bar or out somewhere and somebody had a camera. Mm-hmm. And they gave me the picture. You know what I mean? But two. Two. Jay Briscoe. I have one picture with Jay Briscoe. One. I can't get another picture with Jay Briscoe. There's not going to be another show that I'm going to walk in and he's going to say, hey, buddy, and give me a big fucking hug and have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Neither of them. So, yeah, I have memories with both of them, and you can brag about your memories all. But listen, as we get older, those memories slip. Thankfully, I've done enough recording that I've gotten a lot of them out in recording, and I've told them, even to people ad nauseum, that probably are tired of hearing them. It's just a good way to fucking remember so they don't slip my mind Mm -hmm. because we don't have the pictures. And there's other friends. I have other friends that I don't think I even have a picture with. I might have a picture with Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens now. I may have a picture somewhere floating around, you know, with the Young Bucks. I don't know. I, I really don't. I don't think I even do. And it's mm-hmm. fucking sad because those are, and I mean, I could get another one if I see them, you know, yeah. I've known Adam Cole for a long time. I don't know if I have a picture with me and Adam Cole. I think I might have one. Like, it's just, it's sad when you think about it. And there's a lot, and I'm not the only one that worked in the business yeah. that doesn't have those pictures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know X-Pac was very outspoken about it. I've worked with X-Pac. He's amazing. I've told people a million times, best hugger in the business. I don't have a picture with X-Pac. I know that. As a matter of fact, I messaged him, and uh, we've already made a pact. The next time we see each other, we got to get the picture. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's just what it is. Because who are you going to wait? We don't know. I didn't know I was going to come home one day, and Brody was going to be gone. I didn't know I was going to come home one day and get the news that Jay Briscoe was in a car accident. I, I didn't know those things. They were out of left field. They caught me by fucking surprise, just like they caught everybody else by surprise. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're alive, you want to think we all live forever, yeah. but we don't. And here's the problem. Not only is it just living, it's as we get older, how much do we remember? How much does it start to fade away? And it's sad. It, and, and there's a lot of there's a lot of guys out there 
who probably didn't get the amount of pictures they should have because of some stupid fucking rule in the back. And it wasn't even a rule. It was just something the guy said. It was his mentality. And the worst part about it is here is what I'm going to challenge to anybody. You know who the biggest fucking marks in wrestling are? Those of us who worked in the business, whether we were wrestlers in the back, whatever, because we sacrificed our money and time to put on those shows. Even to this day, doing this podcast. Biggest fucking marks in the business. And you know what? I wear that with a badge art. You want to call me a fucking mark? Go ahead. Mm -hmm. You know what? A lot of people who might you throw that word around, they ain't never spent the time that I spent. They haven't done what I've done. True. They haven't seen what I've seen. True. They haven't been a part of huge moments that I've been a part of. So that's fine. Call me a mark. I'll be that. I'll be that happily. And uh, to shout out to a good friend, the ego, Robert Anthony. He once put it best. That he, that's where I got it from. We're all fucking marks. Mm-hmm. We're the biggest marks because we chose to sacrifice time and money to be a part of this business, whether it was in the back or in the ring or whatever we were doing in the business. There it is. So if that's the insult that some wrestling vet has, fuck off, man. Take the pictures. I heard today on Busted Open, Mark Henry said on Busted Open, he said the same thing. Take the fucking pictures for the same reason. Because all of us have in common, he even went further. He doesn't have a picture with Yokozuna. That was one of his friends. Oh, man. Think about that. Yeah. We all have, all of us that worked in the business have stories about there's somebody that's not here anymore or we can't see anymore for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And the memory, how long will that be there? You know, hey, if you're in good shape, you know, mentally. Yeah, you might, you know, remember your 50s, 60s. You hit the 70s, though, it might go away. What if you fucking got dropped on your head too many times? You know, it might start to fade earlier. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, that picture would have helped jog that up. Like, oh, man, I remember that day. Yeah. Just uh, take the pictures. You tell young guys, this is especially for wrestlers and people in the back working the business. Pick a good time. Don't do it when somebody's busy. But ask for the pictures. I guarantee ain't nobody going to turn down the picture. And if they do, fuck them. You didn't need the picture anyways. Just throwing it out there. Because anybody who's a real one, listen, when you got guys on the top of the mountain or who have been to the top of the mountain, like Lance Storm and X-Pac and fucking uh, the Hurricane and, you know, the list goes on. Mark Henry. These guys have made, you know, they've been at WrestleMania. They've had WrestleMania moments. Mm -hmm. They've been in the business. They're Hall of Famers in most cases or future Hall of Famers if they are already. If, when they're telling you that, does it matter what some guy who fucking, you know, just wrestled in the indies? And it's not a shot at people who just have wrestled in the indies because you know I love the indies. Right. But who am I going to take advice from? The guy that, you know, this guy put it out and X-Pac instantly shot him down? I'm just saying, bro, I'm going to take that advice. And uh, if you need any further more to get the pictures, man, I wish I had a lot of the things that I should have had. Unfortunately, the time when I first broke in, there wasn't, you know, unless you had a disposable, which we did sometimes, and that that, that happened. Mm. Uh, outside of that, though, you know, the phones came around and we were still clinging to stupid shit, you know? Stupid, stupid shit. Now, let's do something a little more happier note, because uh, it's a little tease, too. Next week on this show, right up front, we are going to announce what we're going to be doing for Live Stream for the Cure. Okay. I think that's a good idea. Ah, it's about time to build it up, and then we're, we're, we're going to announce what we're doing, and then eventually we're going to announce what we're doing that you guys can get in and help in on and get a little bit of swag for, too. So we're going to talk about that next week on the show. I think it's a good tease. So next week, in the beginning of the show, we'll tell you what's going down for Livestream for the Cure, when you can hear us on Livestream for the Cure, when it's all going down, brother, and what we're doing for Livestream for the Cure this year. Of course, we 
Definitely love being a part of live streams of the cure. Absolutely. And uh, donating money to cure cancer. So that's always a great fucking motivation. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, Ken M, I know you're chomping at the bit. I bet you need to look at that watch because it's time. That's right. It's time for the opening contest here. On 607TWS, and let's start off by talking about some drama in AEW. Listen, this is one of the things I didn't go into last week in depth because, you know, you can't always blame the company. Mm. However, one of the big things that AEW has not mastered in this past year, and it's reared its ugly head numerous times, not just with the punk situation, it's all the drama in the back. There is less focus on storylines in the ring than there is with the drama in the back. Obviously, punk is the biggest example. Brawl out, if you will. Right. But we know we've had the issues with multiple wrestlers and Eddie Kingston, including Sammy Guevara. We've had all sorts of people, as uh, Darby Allen referred to on an episode of Dynamite, going to Twitter and bitching to mm-hmm. Twitter, bitching on podcasts, etc., etc. But now we've ramped this thing up, so we're not talking about everything like that. I just think that they need to get a house in order and where the pieces really started to fall. There was little dramas before, but let's be honest, the biggest piece that made the most drama was the CM Punk issue at All Out, as we now lovingly refer to it as Brawl Out. Right. Of course, I'm tired, I'm injured, and I'm dealing with fucking children is uh, always going to go down in history as one of my favorite quotes. Just throwing it out there. Because I feel like that sometimes in life. <laughs> I, I really felt that in my soul. I'm not saying he should have said it. I vehemently said he shouldn't have. Right, but, but I feel it in my soul. You can relate to it. So with that being said, there's been a lot of rumors, and we want to sh- make sure this is clear. Rumors, rumors and speculation on what is going on with CM Punk. We're going to kind of lay down some of them. We're not going to get too far in the weeds on it because, once again, they're all rumors and speculation until something happens. Mm -hmm. But we want to weigh in on what's going on because this is very important. Right now, because the you know when you tune into the internet, the social medias, and you see AEW, what is dominating the AEW? Hashtag AEW. Ken M. Drama. Drama about CM Punk. Mm-hmm. And that's why this is important for Tony Khan and the rest of the people at AEW to get this shit under control as soon as possible. And I'm not talking about waiting until June 21st, allegedly, for his return. Mm-hmm. I think this needs to be clarified and issued out. I understand that that doesn't whatever. But it, you know what? It shouldn't be what's dominating right now. There's two pay-per-views. <laughs> Technically, well, there's one pay-per-view that comes out right after June 21st. And there's, right. a, and there's a big pay-per-view, double or nothing, before it happens in May. That's where the focus should be, but unfortunately, it's not right now. Right. Most of your social media interactions for all elite wrestling, you know, we got a little bit out of, you know, the Wembley. Yeah. So that's coming around. And that's a positive. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. It's positive. May 5th is when tickets go on sale. We'll see how well they do on the opening day of sales. But still, once again, that's a positive. But outshining that and outshadowing that huge positive is the CM Punk situation. So basically, what the reports are going down is that CM Punk is all but set to return to All Elite Wrestling. Of course, we talked about it in the past. He put it out there through through you know Dax and and the FTR that hey, I, I tell the wrestling fans I love them and I'm, I want to come back. I'll even work with the Elite. And then we got the gaslighting situation. Mm. The Brandon Cutler we talked about it last yep. week, and you know people ran with the gaslighting. Well, between last week and now, the gaslighting has now gotten Dax Harwood a bunch of heat on the internet mm-hmm. because every you know the AW diehards are like, "Hey, fuck you, man! You're the PR guy for Punk. You're in on this shit. You're gaslighting with him. It's it's crazy, right?" 
And that's going to remember, it is mostly the diehard fans. And I don't, and I want to say this, I don't agree with their tactics. However, they are valid opinions and, and, and feelings. Mm -hmm. I do. I want to say that I don't ever agree when you attack people. However, it's valid if the fans of the product are upset about the situation. Yeah, I mean, you have fans that are donating their time and money and getting invested in the product, and this is a sore subject that's been lingering on now since last August. So now what we're hearing, allegedly in rumors, is that he will return on June 21st when Dynamite returns to Chicago, Illinois, before the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. And when he returns to all Elite Wrestling, allegedly, allegedly, well, allegedly, make it clear, before that happens, I should say, allegedly, once again, this is all rumor and speculation until some's ironclad, he is supposed to be meeting with himself, Tony Khan, the FTR, which is interesting that they're there, and Chris Jericho. And you wonder why Chris Jericho? Well, two reasons. First and foremost, Chris Jericho is a locker room leader in AEW. We know right. that. Mm -hmm. I'm not taking anything away from Chris no, Jericho no, no. in that it's, role. It's true. It's as true. he should be. Yeah. He's the veteran there. He, and he should be the most respected vet there. Right. Who has done more than Chris Jericho in All Elite Wrestling in the world of professional wrestling? And if he is willing to give everybody his time of day to hear their problems and try to hash them out and find a solution, that's respectable. Because he doesn't have to do that. Right. But he does, and I appreciate that from Chris Jericho. So I get it. The other reason he's in that room is because CM Punk, all while saying, hey, I'll even work with the elite, which people are like, oh, he's gaslighting because he doesn't want to work. The elite, he's trying to make it look like the elite are bad guys because he probably doesn't want to work with them, but they're willing to say out loud that they don't want to work with him. Mm -hmm. The only one that's kind of said, ah, fuck it, I'd do it for business is Kenny Omega. Right. The Young Bucks have kind of been mum is the word and sources, once again, take it where you will. Mm -hmm. I mean, on the case of Dave Meltzer, it might be true, have basically said they have no interest in working with CM Punk, which is fine. Yeah, their, their public silence has spoken volumes, right. in my opinion. So, once again, take anything with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. So, here's the thing. While he was saying that, of course, we had the Instagram stories we talked about right. where he took shots at Chris Jericho. Mm -hmm. you know, And then, of course, there was the infamous one where he put a picture of a bingo hall. On Instagram stories. Yeah. That wasn't him returning to the bingo hall. He's taking shots at where a lot of the guys in AEW came from. I would like to remind CM Punk that he came from worse play. He came from bingo halls too, but he also came from some worse places because I've seen some of the sheds that they worked in in IWA Mid-South, mm -hmm. brother. Just want to throw it out there. Just throwing it there. I've been a fan long enough to remember that shit. Yeah. Taking it back, though, this is an interesting point in juncture. So first of all, let's clear this air. This meeting that's supposed to happen with Jericho, Khan, FTR, they're the ones I don't understand why they're there, and CM Punk, what are your thoughts about this alleged meeting? Should this meeting be happening? What are we hoping to accomplish here, obviously? First and foremost, yes, this meeting should be happening if they are bringing Punk back. And Tony needs to establish the ground rules for business moving forward. Because they cannot afford another brawl out incident at the media scrum or post. They need to get focused on their business, especially with Wembley Stadium only a few short months away. Secondly, I don't understand why the FTR has to be there. Because unless now all of a sudden, and granted, I don't know. This is my only speculation looking at this. Unless there's something worked out in their deal that they need to be there, like they're on like an executive vice president type deal 
or some kind of nonsense like that because it just doesn't add up that they need to be there to to support Punk. Punk should be able to walk in there with Tony and Jericho. It should be just the three of them and maybe the legal team, and that's it. Let's hash it out. If anything, what should be in there is the elite. Yeah. Let's hash it out once and for all with a legal team. <laughs> yes. Because you want witnesses. Absolutely. Let's hash it out. Let's figure out if we can salvage any of this mess mm-hmm. and then call it a maybe Hangman Page because he's involved. They, he should be going up and that should be what's happening. Maybe apologies should be said between all parties. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, my bad, my bad. We're good. We can work together. We don't have to like each other. You don't have to like people to work with them. Right. But the fact that there's people out there that are like, well, this meeting's happening because we're going to get Jericho and Punk in a program. It might happen. But also, you know, for those people who think that this is a work still, it's never been a work. Right. And the fact that, you know, somebody even went as far as tweeting to Chris Jericho about, you know, the one thing that's great about Jericho is he's even if he doesn't like people, he's willing to work with them. And he said, not everyone. Mm-hmm. Very bold. And yep. once again, people are like, oh, he's, he's, he's doing that to set it up on the internet, a feud. No. He is just telling you that he, maybe it's not Punk, maybe it's somebody else. He is just telling you that he's not willing to work with everyone, mm-hmm. as nor should he. He's in a position in his career where he's the probably, even over CM Punk, is a more respected worker. Right. You know, Punk, you know, great. You know, he, he sold some tickets. Mm-hmm. He sold some T-shirts. In the grand scheme of things, Jericho's had the longer career. He's had the more decorated career. And if you go to any locker room in the world, there's going to be way more people telling you how great Chris Jericho is in comparison to CM Punk. It's just bottom line. And I'm not trying to take any shots at anybody. No, it's apples to oranges, It's, it's truth. Let's be honest. And Eric Bischoff, whether people like him or not, made a good point. What you know? What is it going to take? If he decides he doesn't want to work with Punk, you do realize that Jericho is financially sound. He was financially sound before he ever came to AW. He could just go home. Mm-hmm. I'm not even talking about him going back to the other company. I'm talking about going home. Saying, okay, you bring him back. I don't want to be here. I'm going to go home. Which hurts your business even more. Because then you lose a leader. Yeah. So you never know what could come out of that meeting. Maybe Jericho goes, fuck it. I don't want to deal with this prick. So then whose side do you take? And Tony, you got it. This is where the business has to come in, man. You're as guilty as any of the parties. You sat next to CM Punk as he ran down your company mm-hmm. and said nothing. Let him just run your company and run down your fucking EVPs and run down your talent. You did it and you sat there. I mean, you did have a dumbfounded look on your face, but you sat there while he did it. Right. Like that, that was a bad look. We said it then. I'm saying it now. So if it comes down to Jericho saying, fuck this, I don't want to work with this guy. And if he's in the locker room, I'm not going to be there. Who do you side with? Do you do let's Chris Jericho go sit at home or do, and bring punk back? Or do you say no punk? You know, and if it's people out there thinking there's, there's a certain amount of people not in mind you, your fandom, if they're attacking Dax and it's the fans of AEW, right? They don't want him there. So now you're just hoping to get the Punk fans that still might exist? Here's a little fun fact for you. When Punk was on the show, it was between 950,000 mm-hmm. and 1.1 million was the ratings. It would fluctuate between that pretty much, right? Yeah. I'm being generous too. I mean, he only did the 1-4 the one time, and there was the 1-3 when it was the three guys. But then after that, one point one, like right around 1.1 was the high end. Mm-hmm. And the low end was uh, the 900,000. Yeah, they average right around 900,000. So now we're averaging right around 850,000. It mm-hmm. peaks in the nine. It did get to a million a couple times, but it's gone into the nines a couple times. It's dipped as low as the sevens. 
Oh yeah, but so mostly, mostly we'll say eight hundred fifty thousand, right? Eight hundred fifty thousand is pretty much the average. The million they've only hit maybe twice. Right, that's fine. Yeah. I'm just, well, I'm yeah, just no, trying no, to gauge I'm where ju- we're at. Right, I'm just doing the math out loud. Though. So let's just say Punk averages you a million, which it wasn't quite a million; it was under because mm-hmm. you weren't being a million every week. And without him, it's eight hundred fifty thousand. So the drama is worth one hundred fifty thousand fans. No, but you know the, the and problem. once again, we don't care about the ratings as much here. But let's be honest; those are the numbers we have to look at. Is is the benchmark to get the temp in the room, because you see the domino effect he had when all this drama happened. Now you're a year, almost a year removed from it, and where are you going with this? Because now when you bring him back, that's the risk you have about causing this all over again. Like you're going to have a honeymoon phase, sure. But how long is that going to last? Like that's something that you have to think in the back of your head, unless you establish the firm ground rules at said meeting. All right. Also, let's look at the pay per views. Without Punk, you're doing way around 120k, give or take. Yeah. With Punk, it was like 150k. So 30k in pay per view sales. I'll, I'll I'll challenge you this. I'll tell you what, Tony Khan. If you knock twenty dollars off the price of major pay per views, thirty dollars. Oh, big swing. I bet you you would get like two hundred thousand easy. Mm-hmm. Easy. It's the price range that, it, that scares most people away. And if you want to put that to a test, just go ahead and put it to a test, and you would find out that it wouldn't be Punk. You could keep Punk off the show, lower it to thirty, and watch the fucking cash roll in. Mm-hmm. I'm being dead serious. No, this is yeah, this is not, it's a not joke. even because I'm trying to get it out of cheaper because we pay it anyways. Right. But the point of the matter is, there's a lot of people that the fifty dollar price tag scares them off. So thirty dollars, everybody can fucking go. Oh yeah, kumbaya, we're good. Mm-hmm. Just throwing it out there. Anyways, going back to Punk situation. So now they're also saying at the same time, allegedly, rumors and speculation only. Right. That the way to fix this problem is there's going to be, and this is the term that I'm seeing in quotations all the time, a soft brand split with this new Saturday show that was originally supposed to be a 6 of 5, but now I'm hearing primetime, so I'm assuming 8 p.m., maybe two hours mm-hmm. uh, on one of the deadest days of TV. Just throwing that out yeah. there for the folks that think it's going to do giant numbers, but Saturdays are not a pop- popular fucking day, so... You know, I, I don't know if how big the numbers are really going to be. Probably closer to the Rampage than Dynamite. Just saying. I'm not wishing you ill will. I'm no, just no, going but, by but trends. It's an honest take. So they're talking about soft branding it and putting CM Punk on that show and other people that people don't get along with so that way they can kind of soft split the rosters to keep the problems from each other. Well, how the fuck does that work when you have to do a pay-per-view? How does that work when you need to do a crossover? How does that work to book people against other people? It doesn't. No. You're just you're not fixing the problem. You're just trying to hide it. You're, it's like it's like the the classic sweep it under the rug. Like you know you tell your kid to clean his room and he just throws everything in the closet. You open the closet, shit falls out on you. That's all they're doing. So I don't think this is a good idea. I think if you're going to have another TV show, which they're going to get, you should focus on pushing the most talent that you can. It's putting a band-aid over a wound. You're not solving anything here. And if this rumor is true that this is how we're going to mend fences and make everybody get along, this is not going to work. This is ultimately going to backfire in the worst possible way, and I hope this doesn't happen for that reason. I want to see AEW succeed, but this is not going to fly. And especially if we're now letting the inmates run the asylum, so to speak, and you're letting everybody just decide where they want to go because I don't want to work with this person. Well, I won't do business with this one. 
that's not their call. You are supposed to be the head person in charge. You were supposed to be the head booker, a booker of the year from what we hear, right? Oh, yeah. Booker, promoter. Then you got to call that tough shot and say, no, we're going to work together. Here's who's going here. Here's going there. My word is law as long as you're under contract. And boom, there you go. Right. And I mean, it's kind of funny. You know, that's what's got to be done, period. Uh, would I bring CM Punk back? No. I just don't think the fan base wants it. The, the, the diehard fan base. I don't think they want it. I could be wrong. Maybe you guys are going to rain and go rich. We do want it. That's not what it looks like when I turn it on to Twitter. <laughs> every, it looks like they're against it. Every week on social media, it's it's so toxic when you're talking about bringing punk back because the AEW diehards, the hashtag I'm with AEW fans, all with the names and the profiles, are screaming don't bring him back because they've seen what this happened. And literally, you can see how AEW took a big step back from Brawl Out that they still haven't recovered from. I also want to point this out. Just want to, just throwing this out there, mm-hmm. not starting any rumors. There was a rumor that came out that the elite, all three members, signed new deals. Then it came out from Dave Meltzer. Once again, these are all speculation that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. That nobody's put pen to paper on nothing. And Dave Meltzer didn't say it, but I'm pretty sure he knows what the rest of us are thinking, and that is that they're not going to put pen to paper as long as this punk thing's in the air. Yeah, this could be a contention that you might lose. The guys who help create your company because they don't want to be with him. And you're like, well, they don't want to go to WWE either. But who knows where that's going to be when the contracts are up? We know Kenny's contract was extended through November because of injury. Mm. The The Endeavor deal goes through in June or July. That's when it goes through. That's when everything changes. Late June, yeah. Yeah, like I said, June, July. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm thinking all so, that. So what happens there is that that's all of July, mm. August, September and October, that's four months Mm -hmm. where people can see that, oh, Vince isn't at shows because he's too busy being the board director for the entire company, which now includes UFC and WWE. Right. So he's not going to be there. As we pointed out before, Nick Khan will be running the show and Triple H will be head of creative as he has been, which we're going to talk about in a second, Mm -hmm. whether people believe it or not. So that, but that gives that four months of people seeing what's going on with Endeavor and how they're paying people and what's going on. No matter how many false rumors people want to make up about this talent is unhappy and wants to leave and that talent's unhappy and wants to leave, that's not the perception from within inside the company. Right. So here's the thing until it happens, let's say that all of the internet is wrong, which is probably right, because even <laughs> yeah. even if they're right, they're not right about everybody. Right, It will exactly. So maybe half leave, maybe half stay, doesn't matter. But let's say the company is still going in the direction creatively and business-wise, like it has been the last year under Triple H almost. Mm-hmm. You don't think that it's more attractive if Kenny Omega's like, I don't really want to work with this guy, and they keep bringing him back, and they make him champion, and they shove him down people's throats, and we don't like him? You don't think that he might not go, hey, shit, I'm going to go sign a big deal over here. Yeah. And the Young Bucks are a little less likely, but you never know. Money and opportunity talks. Cody's over there. He's doing well. If everything keeps the same as it is now, not talking about what the internet is driving into you guys' heads at home. Mm -hmm. Because if you guys believe that stuff and you're listening to us, you guys, we give you the inside track all the time. It's not real. Right. But let's say you still are and you're convinced that it's real. There's a lot of time to prove it's not before contracts are up. Mm-hmm. And they, they're they going to know more than you because they're talking to guys in that company. They're talking to Cody. They're talking to Xavier Woods, who they're friends with. Mm-hmm. They're talking to Kofi Kingston. 
They're talking while well, Tyler Breeze is in the company, but he's around enough people. Right. These are people they're friends with. We know this, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, so they're going to talk to those guys. And if things are going good and the ship's going right, we don't know if it will be or not. But if it is, what's more attractive? Yeah. What's more attractive? There's not a better deal at that point, but it all depends on what comes out from this meeting. And especially with the two big pay-per-views coming up, and then really what happens at Wembley? Because by that time, if Punk is due back by June 21st, he's now going to be in a program to be at Wembley in some way, shape, or form. It all depends on what goes on there. Well, here's my problem with that. You put him there, and then, of course, it goes back to before where Tony Khan's just like, oh, it's all CM Punk. Yeah. You know, the, the buy rates are up. This is up. Fucking Wembley. We sold more tickets. It's all CM Punk, which part of it would be Punk, but it's not all of it. Right. So I think that even if he came back, I wouldn't put him on Wembley. I know that sounds like, you know, counterproductive, it, but it's not counterproductive in the way because at the end of the day, you're just giving this guy's ego more fucking feeding. Mm hmm. And then you're going to sign them to more deals and more people. It's just, it's not, it's just not good for business, folks. I'm just throwing you out there. It's a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. Seth Rollins said, keep the cancer away. Mm-hmm. Philly boy. You know, and, and you know, there, where there's smoke, there's fire sometimes. Mm-hmm. You can't have that much heat with so many people and there's not something to it. Right. Just throwing it out there, you know. But hey, that's their decision at the end of the day. Real quick, because for funsies, Eric Bischoff did make a challenge about Wembley, though. Eric Bischoff. <laughs> Challenge Tony Khan to have the balls to book Goldberg versus CM Punk at Wembley, and I'm going to tell you what: from a booking business standpoint, oh, a draw. He just gave him a fucking gem. I know there's a lot of people on the internet that say, "Oh, imagine it'll be horrible." Yeah, but you guys are trying to sell ninety thousand seats. Goldberg's a big name. Mm-hmm. CM Punk's a big name. Hey. I just said I want to book him, but hey, if you book him against Goldberg in an attraction match, he's not in the title match. He's not in a, you know, he's in a profile match because it's an attraction match, and it is what it is. I can see that as the per. If you want to put him on Wembley, it's the perfect scenario to make all the monies. Oh, I agree. Like, if you're going to use him on the show, you got to get big names. And that's the thing for an international audience, Goldberg is still a big name. Mm-hmm. Punk is a big name. So they would definitely draw in some fans that probably wouldn't go to the show. Is it going to be enough to swing the needle in the 90,000 direction? No. Who knows? No, but it, but, but it would draw. It but would draw. It would draw. It would be a mess, but it would draw. From the business end, it would draw. Yeah. In the match, if booked right, could be good. It won't be great. It won't be a classic catch-its-catch-can style. Oh, no, but... But it, Punk it, on the mic, talking shit about Bill Goldberg in the build, and Bill Goldberg just having to breathe fucking fire and beat the shit out of him for a little bit. You know? Hey, there you go. Mm-hmm. It writes itself. Believe it or not, business-wise, coming from me... It's a book. It's actually a good diet. It was a good pitch. It wasn't even a challenge. You could sell tickets off that, that bench. Because here's what I would do. This is what you should be doing in Wembley. First of all, your main event should feature the AW World Champion, mm. which as of right now is MJF. I don't see a reason to take the title off of him. So I would put MJF and build a, a good storyline to it. Giving the Indiana credence. Let's say Drew McIntyre's contract is up soon, which I do believe it is. There's differing reports on that when it comes up. Right. Some say it's already up or close to being up. Some say it's not till June or July. Either way, it is before Wembley. If I'm Tony Khan, I make the power play for Drew Mack. If Drew Mack wants to take the money and go, you know, I, I I'm always leery about going there because of the oversaturation of wrestlers. But once again, for the Wembley show, smart. Mm-hmm. Because then you could build a feud between Drew Mack and MJF for the title in the main event at Wembley, and you get the home crowd, right? Yeah. Get home cooking, and your title's in the main event. Let's say that you do book 
Goldberg versus Punk. Now you got a solid attraction match during the show. So you got that solid attraction match. You got the main event that showcases your title. Next up, as long as you keep the belt on Jamie Hayter, you have, you know, UK interest in the title. Hell, I would even go completely and go Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm. Or Jamie Hayter versus Soraya. I was gonna say put Soraya and Depends Tony on yeah, do a triple threat. Do, 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 do some kind of crazy right, booking right, like right. that. Once again, we're going heavy on British, but on top of that, I want to go so heavy on the British with bringing in outside forces. We'll get to one that I would bring in in a minute, but here's the thing. If you do that, the home crowd is going to be happy and it's going to translate to the TV. Plus, both of those ladies deserve a title shot at Jamie Hayter. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just perfect booking, right? Oh yeah, it let's, works. Let's move on. Let's move on. What else am I putting on this show? FTR versus the Young Bucks. Yep. Agree. No brainer. And then that leaves the other member of the elite. Kenny Omega should still be IWGP US champion. That belt should be on the line. Him versus Will Ospreay. Get the next match of him and Ospreay. In England. Mm-hmm. Go figure. Writes itself, right? And then you have all your other stars on the card. The only other place you could put Punk on that card, and I've heard other people say it, is the elite versus FTR and Punk. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem with that match. Ready, Ken? I'm going to tell you the problem with that match. If something goes wrong yeah. and it turns into a shoot, shoots are never entertaining to watch, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. They aren't. Go agreed, look at them. Agreed. And it could do irreparable damage. So you're gambling a lot. Now, mind you, they could go out there, they could have a tremendous match and work together just fine. Or something happens and it gets all fucked up. Are you worth? Are you risking that on your biggest stage? No, absolutely not. I understand that that's what the internet is trying to sell, like the certain... Fans are really trying to push for that. That is just a recipe for disaster. I'm sorry. You can't take that risk at that show. You can't. If you wanted to try running that, hypothetically saying, and all contracts were worked out, blah, 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 for full gear, yeah, you could try it then, but not for Wembley. Too many scenarios could happen where something goes wrong, and it goes south quick, and you can't afford that with that audience. And how many people are going to be tuning in to watch? You just Mm -hmm. can't. Yeah, so the punk situation, we're going to have to let him play it out. I don't know. Right now, I don't think that the positives outweigh the negatives, in my opinion. So I'm saying here, and I'm going to get your opinion in a second, I'm saying I don't know if I bring CM Punk back. Honestly, I get the draw. I do get the booking, people. I understand. But is that worth something else happening? What if we have another brawl-out situation? Although it's all in this time, so it could be brawl-in. Mm-hmm. So we'll have brawl-out and brawl-in. Who knows? Your thoughts in closing. You shouldn't bring him back. There's just too much damage that was done in a short amount of time that you still haven't recovered from. And of course, everybody's going to come in this meeting and it's going to sound great. And everybody's going to say, we want to get back on the same page. As the owner of the company, I would be extremely leery of this because look what happened last time. Everybody was in that honeymoon phase and then what happened when things went south? You were looking at deja vu going into your your best show. So if I was in the, that situation, I wouldn't do it. But that's me. All right. Before we get to New Japan, we got one more piece of business here, and that, of course, is we're throwing we're we're talking to a wall because I know some of you guys aren't going to believe this no matter what. But this past week, the WWE CEO Nick Khan visited the subscription only Light Shed Live podcast, which is a financial podcast who has been covering the WWE Endeavor merger. And uh, the the show is hosted by Brandon Ross and Rich Greenfield. Just throwing it out there. And on there, they asked him straight up, is Vince running WWE creative? That is what they asked straight up. This is the response. It is slightly wordy, but not too wordy from Nick Khan. And I quote, 
When this deal was officially announced Monday morning, Vince sent out a company-wide email to our thousand or so employees, including myself, and in the email, he laid out the structure of the NUCO, that's what he's called, new company, so he just called it NUCO, which mm-hmm. certainly, because it doesn't have a name yet, technically, it will be traded under TKO, but we don't know the name, Right. which certainly you guys have read about and are familiar with. In addition to Vince being the executive chairman, Ari Emanuel being the CEO, Mark Shapiro being the president, Dana White continuing as president of UFC and me at WWE, specifically Vince articulated that Paul Levesque, in parentheses Triple H, remains the sole chief creative officer. Sole. That was not me adding that in. The the quote reads, remains the sole chief creative officer, period, sole, period. Mm -hmm. So he's stressing sole. Only one going on. So how does it work? Does that mean because I'm technically in charge of the business side of the business that I don't seek input from other people or I wouldn't speak or seek input from Vince McMahon who created this entire empire? That would be a mistake on my behalf. Paul and Vince have a family relationship, a relationship that stands back to the mid nineties. Paul's in charge of creative. If he wants input from Vince or Vince has ideas, then he and Paul are going to communicate. That's always going to be the case. We're lucky to have Vince. We're lucky to have Paul in control of creative End quotes. So once again, Nick Khan in another line of the list says the sole creative controller is triple H. Does he seek input? He can, but at the end of the day, the buck stops with him. Even if Vince tells him, I want you to do this, he can tell him no. Mm-hmm. That's what that means when he says soul. Just the same way he basically laid out that, hey, I might seek out Vince's advice too because he built this empire. However, at the end of the day, I am the CEO currently and will be the president of WWE because that's all the job title change. Right. He goes on to then talk about, by the way, uh, what we talked about before of people getting more money. <laughs> Uh, so he's getting that $10 million bonus, Triple H getting a $5 million bonus, both of them getting restructured contracts to give them more money so that way they won't go anywhere else and lock them down for long-term is exactly what Nick Khan said. So long-term is a minimum five years in my opinion. Right. So that's what's happening. So if Vince was in charge of creative, why would you need to give Paul Levesque $5 million in money and sign him to a nice, fancy more five-more-year deal with a lot more money. Just riddle me that, Batman. I can't because, honestly, it, it, it's right there. Sole creative control is to Triple H. Like, the fact that we now have this proof and people are still trying to argue it. Listen, folks, I understand that Raw After Mania might not have lived up to the expectations that some of you might have had. But you have to understand something. Triple H is trying new things. This is the first Raw under Raw After Mania under his watch. And you see that he has kind of dabbled a little bit in doing some storytelling instead of bringing in big names. This is something that he's doing now that he is in control of the main roster. So no, is it going to look like a Vince show? Absolutely not. And if the show is not good, that doesn't mean Vince emailed comments in and told Triple H to change it. No. Triple H is going to do this his way and why would you not ask Vince for idea advice if you're not sure about something? You Say what you will about him as a person because I think we've all pretty much agreed he's you know a walking POS. Yeah. But creatively he's done this business for so long that if Triple H wanted to run something by him I'm sure Vince would give him an idea. Or if Vince wants to bounce an idea off him, that doesn't mean Triple H has to do it. Or right. Paul Levesque, whatever you want to call him. 
In closing, I will say this. The source of this is the current CEO of World Wrestling Entertainment, who will then become the president of World Wrestling Entertainment, Nick Khan. That is the source. That is the person saying it. Now, you could say he's lying. You can say he's gaslighting, whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, that is the source that we have. The source that you guys are letting you uh, run around the internet is, is the, trust me, bro. Yeah. So all of the drama on Twitter that I don't pay attention to is all from trust me, bro. You know, the same people who said that Becky Lynch was quitting the company today, but then I'll give credit where credit's due. Sean Ross Sapp goes, well, that'd be kind of hard since her contract isn't up until next year. Mm-hmm. So, no, I don't think that's happening, folks. Yeah. Fightful's now saying, I don't think that's happening. But we like to run with whatever we like to run because, oh, my God, somebody changed their Twitter background. <gasps> somebody said they're not going to be there tonight. <sighs> somebody said, you know, guys, have you ever think you're just being worked? Yeah. And you're being worked by the guys reporting it. So once again, I'm going to, until proven otherwise, I'm going to side with the source of Nick Khan, who is the CEO and president of World Wrestling Entertainment Mm -hmm. over the trust me bro source. Yeah. Because if the source is so high on the pecking order, name them. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, they don't want to be named. Okay. That's because it's full of shit. Trust me, bro isn't working. They're feeding you bad information. Mm -hmm. Just saying. And also, this, this once again, the love affair of saying that Triple H can't book a bad show, that's just kind of bullshit. Yeah, like, why, where did this narrative come from? Like, that's where I'm kind of curious. Because we've seen him do an amazing job with Raw and when he took over in SmackDown. And now it's after Mania. We're starting a, new, a whole new season of storylines. And just because it's not what you think you want that you're immediately writing it off. And oh, but you're not blaming him. Right. You're blaming Vince. But when SmackDown rolled around, it was just what you wanted. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, Vince wasn't there. Triple H was in charge. Exactly. Like, come on, guys. You're, you're actually giving the biggest out in the world to Triple H. I made the joke the other day. I watch Dynamite every week. And sometimes it's a rough watch, as you guys know when I talk about it on the show. Mm-hmm. The other week, when I saw the new Luchasaurus get up, it looked awful gladiator-ish. Yeah. I messaged both you and Wall and said, oh, man, Vince, uh, breaking news, Vince McMahon's All Elite. He's booking All Elite Wrestling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. So if you're looking for fingerprints, you can find them. I mean, it looked like a gladiator to me. Yeah, exactly. Who's got a hard on for gladiators? Remember Karrion Cross? Remember Keith Lee? Vince McMahon, brother. Mm-hmm. Vince McMahon. Also... Looked like Adam Cole was half-assed managing Keith Lee. Remember, that was allegedly the plan. Yeah. That was Vince's idea. So maybe Vince is booking all the wrestling, folks. I don't know. Maybe you want to start God, that I rumor. I forgot about that. Oh, my God. Yeah. How shitty is that? Once again, guys, uh, if you look for fingerprints, you're going to find them. You always find what you seek for. Seek and you shall find. I think that's the uh, actual quote, right? Yes. You know why? Because we always find what we seek. Whether it's truth or not doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not here. Once again, until we get other clarification, until I have somebody show me where Vince McMahon on video is writing and changing a script and and, and telling Triple H to go fuck himself while doing so, mm-hmm. you have to trust the people in charge. Yeah. Because what does it benefit them? And like I said, for, for Triple H, I, I'm Triple H. I love you guys blaming Vince because that means if he books a bad show, he's got a free pass. And you guys are going to praise him when he books a good one. Yeah, it's so bizarre. But, you know, the rumor, the rumors of Johnny Gargano's leaving TV because of Vince. And then, oh, yeah, wait a minute. He re-injured his neck. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> oh, Becky Lynch is, is done. She wants to be out. Oh, no, she still has a contract. Yeah. Like, oh, Seth Rollins is unhappy. He's leaving, too. But, yeah, he's got a match with The Miz. It's... 
did you ever think that Seth Rollins isn't smart enough to fucking work you guys up? Because that's what he does. They're, they got to be having a field day in the back <laughs> about this. I swear, they, they must be running well. And I will point this out to you. Seth Rollins with the with the specter of CM Punk from his comments out of <laughs> out of it. I please believe, believe me, please. Seth Rollins will not go to a company where CM Punk is. Exactly. I'm. I will guarantee you that much. So he ain't going to AEW if CM Punk's there. Now if CM Punk doesn't come back, you know, I never know. You can make a shot at it. Sure, but I'm not saying he's going. I'm just saying you can make a shot at it. Mm. Which if he does go, giving him credit. Then Dean Ambrose all of a sudden is now the second best member of Shield in the AEW. Yeah, and uh, I guess Seth Rollins could be the Roman Reigns there, mm-hmm. and that's I guess that could be a draw. If I'm Tony Khan, I'm offering him a lot of money in that draw. That's just smart business, folks. Now that we're uh, past the the throw shit at the wall, and and uh, whether you guys believe it or not, it's just our takes. I hope you guys take them as that. I know most of you do, and uh, let's get to something happier because I know Ken's going to mark out for this. Ah, uh, let's go. Let's talk New Japan Pro Wrestling real quick because they had some big shows going down. Of course, this past Saturday uh, from the Entertainment and Sports Arena in Washington, D.C. on Saturday, April 15th, we got Capital Collision. Uh, so being in the States is great. we got two shows. Uh, the first one in Washington, D.C. The pre-show match was TMDK's team of Bad Dude Tito and Shane Hayes defeating the West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs in 8 minutes and 31 seconds with the Ride the Lightning finisher. We kick off the actual show with a uh, a 10-man tag team extravaganza. The team of Kevin Knight, Gabriel Kidd, Speedball Mike DeBailey, Volador Jr., and Kushida defeated the team of the DKC, Clark Connors, Leo Rush, Rocky Romero, and Sexy Chucky T. Chuck Taylor. And, of course, Volador Jr. pinned Rocky Romero with a backcracker mm-hmm. and thus has now earned a shot at Rocky Romero's AAA championship. Yes, it's very interesting. So Valador Jr. versus Rocky Romero is on the cusp, but the most notable thing after this match, Clark Connors attacked the DKC. Yes. And nobody knew why, but we would find out later in the night. Mm-hmm. Next up, speaking of which, we found out pretty quickly because next up, we had A.R. Fox take on David Finley. At the end of the day, David Finley defeated A.R. Fox 10 minutes and 20 seconds with the trash pan to finish. And after that match, he said, hey, I promised you a new member of the Bullet Club. Out comes Clark Connors. And Clark Connors is your newest member of the Bullet Club. Love this addition. And also, he made the statement. He said it in the ring. David Finley said, if I don't authorize it, it ain't Bullet Club. I ain't worried about selling T-shirts like they've worried about in the past. We're getting gritty. We're beating people up. And so you're either going to win and beat the shit out of people or you ain't being in Bullet Club. Mm, I love it. Laying it down, brother. Next up, we had a New Japan Wrestling World TV Championship match. Your champion, Zack Sabre Jr., taking on Filthy Tom Lawler. This match got 13 minutes and 12 seconds at the end of the day. And still, NJPW World Television Champion, Zack Sabre Jr. This match was amazing, by the way. It went 13 minutes and 12 seconds out of the 15-minute time limit. I need this ran back. This was phenomenal. It could have gone either way. At the end of the day, uh, wake me up before you go-go was the win that was of course his pinning combination mm-hmm. that Zack Sabre Jr. likes to win uh, to retain the title next up we had a special singles match this uh, match took place in front of nobody in the pandemic in front of an empty arena so we finally got it in front of people Tamahiro Ishii defeats El Desperado with a vertical drop brain buster in 16 minutes and 40 seconds one of my favorite matches of the weekend yeah very solid next we had Fred Rosser taking on Rockhide 
Juice Robinson. This match didn't even get started as rock hard Juice Robinson destroys Fred Rosser, even dropping him with a roll of quarters. Yeah. And at the end, grabbing the mic and telling Fred Rosser, because remember, Fred Rosser said, I'm inviting your wife to sit in the first row. Of course, Juice Robinson's wife is Tony Storm. Mm-hmm. She's going to sit in the first row while I beat your ass. Of course, uh, we called back to the slap herd around the world as Juice Robinson on the microphone told Fred Rosser while he was laying there in agony and pain, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Yeah. So it got a little personal there. Next up, we had the tag team match we were waiting to see as the LIJ team of Hamaru Takahashi and Tetsu Naito took on Kanamura and Sonata. This match went 16 minutes and 40 seconds at the end of the day. Kanamura locked in the modified Samson clutch on Takahashi for the win. So just five guys representative, including the new IWGP World's Heavyweight Champion Sonata coming out with a victory there. Very solid match. We do know now, though, that the ticking time bomb Takahashi is going to be getting a shot at Sonata's World's Heavyweight title. But before he can do that, he has to put the belt up on the line against Kanemura. That was the agreement. Mm-hmm. So in the near future, I do believe at Dantaku, it has not been announced yet, but I believe at Dantaku, we are going to get that junior heavyweight title match so we can finally get Takahashi versus Sonata. Can't wait for that. Next up, the strong openweight championship was on the line. Your champion, Kenta, defending the title against Eddie Edwards. These two haven't wrestled in 13 years. That's crazy. This match got 18 minutes, 42 seconds, and via the go-to sleep, Kenta retains the strong openweight championship. One of my favorite matches of the weekend. By the way, this next match was the main event of the evening and is my number one match of the weekend of all the things we watched, and it deserves to be. Four, it's a three-way dance for the Strong Openweight Tag Team Championships. Your champions, the Motor City Machine Guns. Alex Schell and Chris Saban defending the titles against the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Aussie Open, Kyle Fletcher, and Mark Davis. And, of course, the Dream Team, the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. This match... Uh, we did, they did not put the time up on here, by the way, on New Japan, but they did just, they said Coriolis was hit, which it was, mm-hmm. for Aussie Open to become your new open, strong open weight tag team champion. So now, if you count that, they got two belts. By the way, Kyle Fletcher blew out oh. his dick during this match on a, uh, on a moonsault onto the barricade. One of the wildest spots you'll ever see. And he was open about the fact that he blew, probably won't be having kids anytime soon. Yep. Uh, but I love that Kyle Fletcher got on the microphone and said, with this win and the matches that we put on, I don't care what anybody says, we are the best tag team in the world. The crowd in D.C. started chanting FTR. He said, I want you to chant FTR because I want them to fight us because we'll destroy them because we're the best tag team in the world, bar none. Absolutely love this promo. I hope that leads to something because we didn't get a lot of build for Forbidden Door on this on either of these cards. And I, I would really like to see Aussie Open versus FTR once again. I could see that being the main event of Forbidden Door, to be honest. Well, I hope so. Well, Sunday they were back for collision in Philadelphia in uh, the 2300 Arena, formerly known as the ECW Arena in sunny Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, let's go over the match. The first match of the night, we got to see Valador Jr. tag with Al Desperado as they defeated the team of Kevin Knight and Delirious. That was a great match to open. In mm. an ROH Pure Rules match, Alex Coughlin defeated Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. And, of course, we didn't understand at first where this was coming from. Alex Coughlin has challenged Shibata for the ROH Pure title. Yeah. And uh, he wanted to get a warm-up in there. And uh, he impressed the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Same. 
Next up, we got the blowover from the night before. The newest member of the Bullet Club, Clark Connors, defeated the DKC in a very strong fashion. Yes. Next up, we had a six-man tag team extravaganza as Team Filthy, the West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs, and the leader of Team Filthy, Filthy Tom Lawler, defeated TMDK team of Bad Dude Tito, Shane Hayes, and the NJPW television champion, Sack Sabre Jr. Tom Lawler gets the win. Hopefully, that means we're going to get that run back for that TV title. Completely all right with that. Next up, we had a tag team extravaganza as the Just Five Guys team of Kanemura and the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Sonata defeated the return of the Rottweilers. That's right, Rocky Romero in Homicide. Yeah. How awesome is that? Insane. Next up, we had a AEW International Championship match. Your champion... Orange Cassidy defending against Gabriel Kidd. This match got 11 minutes and 52 seconds. And the mouse trap at the end of the day gets Orange Cassidy a defense of the AW International Championship. How good has Cassidy been since he's got that belt? And he was great in this match. Yes. Great. And there was, uh, you know, you know, I'm usually against the handshake spots, but good respect from Gabriel Kidd and Orange Cassidy at the end. Cassidy gave him the glasses. Yes. He gave the thumbs up together. Next up, we had a tag team match where we had the team, the LIJ team of Tetsuya Naito and the ticking time bomb, Hamaru Takahashi, taking on the Bullet Club team of Chase Owens and Kenta. At the end of the day, Destino was hit on Chase Owens. LIJ gets the win. Bigger news of this is, A, is that going to lead to Chase Owens being out of Bullet Club? Because David Finley doesn't like losses. That's the first question we got out of this. But the second thing we got is Rocky Romero comes to the ring. We had a little bit of fun with this. Naito's checking him down. He's acting like he's going to be a referee between Takahashi (laughs) and Romero. Romero's like, no, I come in peace. Tranquilo. Tranquilo, brother. I come in peace. Remember, ticking time bomb, you promised these people last time you were in the States that you were going to bring over a Junior's Festival. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not going to make you a liar. So we're announcing that coming up, I do believe in August, Yes, we are getting the New Japan Juniors Festival at the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. How cool is that? I do believe it's August the 10th or it's August the 8th. I can't, I, we'll have to get back to you guys on that because I know the day before got announced at the Impact Show, we'll announce it now, mm-hmm. we're getting Multiverse United 2. Yes. Also from the 2300 the day before that show. All so about this. That's pretty awesome. Next up, we had the uh, IWGP United States Championship number one contenders match. Originally, it was supposed to be Lance Archer taking on Rock Hard, Juice Robinson, but Juice Robinson got suspended for his actions of beating up Fred Rosser. So Fred Rosser, injured and all, got to take him on, and this was a hardcore rules match, and he didn't stand a chance, but when it looked like Fred Rosser might pull it off, Juice Robinson came Team out of the crowd. out of nowhere. Attack Fred Rosser and Lance Archer moves on in the IWGP United States Championship number one contenders tournament. Yeah. And last but certainly not least, the main event of the evening for the strong openweight tag team championships, your new champions, Aussie Open, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis taking on Leo Rush and Tamahiro Ishii. Corey Ellis ends the match again as still your openweight tag team champions. Aussie Open, but a great match here as well. Very solid match to cap off a very entertaining card. New Japan was on fire this week. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of upcoming shows to New Japan, so keep your eyes on njpwworld.com because coming up in the not-too-distant future, we've got uh, 
the road to wrestling Don Taku is coming up and Don Taku itself will be going down on Thursday, April 20th uh, or no, sorry. That's the road. Still, you got a bunch of road events till then, but Don Taku comes up at the uh, beginning of May. Mm -hmm. So we got a lot on the schedule, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to want to keep your eyes on it. And uh, trust me, it's always a good time to keep up on njpwworld.com. By the way, uh, to be specific, Wrestling Don Taku goes down on Wednesday, May 3rd, just because it's going all over the place over here. And then, of course, right after that, we start up the best of the Super Juniors on Friday, May 12th. Coming. Yeah, in Karokin Hall is where we started up. And then there's a whole lot of them coming up before, you know, we've got Dominion in Osaka in June. We've got a resurgence in Long Beach. So they're coming back to Long Beach in May as well. So keep your eyes on njpwworld.com uh, for all of that great, streaming action and uh if you want to know more about it go to njpw1972.com as that is the english version of the new japan website well that is a long open as again but we had a lot of stuff in there so we're going to finally take a break get a little beverages in ourselves when we come back we're going to hit you with the indie roundup talk some game changer wrestling before reviewing impact wrestling's rebellion 2023 out so you know that can only mean one thing it's time to kick off the mid card of this week's 607 TWS and as we like to do we like to start up that mid card by talking about the indie roundup brought to you by fight plus of course the shows we talk about are either we're live on fight plus this past weekend or coming up live on fight plus this upcoming weekend either way for 7.99 you can check out a lot of great wrestling action over at fight plus so check that out and of course when we talk about impact wrestling after that was also on fight plus this mm -hmm. past weekend as well as those two new japan shows so uh fight fight.tv has your hookup uh the other two weren't sorry the other two weren't part of fight plus you had to pay extra for them they were pay-per-views right. but fight.tv has your hookup. Fight Plus is the best in the business for $7.99 because you get to watch all of Game Changer Wrestling's video library, including all the new shows live and free replays, obviously, including also Wrestling Revolver in there, our good friends down at Glory Pro, mm -hmm. Black Label Pro, so many more, AIW, and so much more. Check out Fight Plus $7.99 a month. How about that? 
Let's dive right in. Let's talk about the Indie Roundup. This past week, we had two big GCW shows go down on Fight Plus. The first one coming up on uh, Saturday, the 15th of April, from Saga, Illinois, at the Pops Nightclub. GCW presented I Can't Feel My Face 2023. Uh, this show, first notably, got pushed back a little yes. bit because of a tornado warning. Yeah. Seeking shelter. So, uh, thankfully, nothing bad happened to anybody. And the right, show right, went right. Off. Uh, let's talk about the card real quick. Let's give it a rundown. And the opening contest, Blake Christian defeated Dan the Dad, 16 minutes and 37 seconds. Next up, we had the battle of the two big bulls as Calvin Tankman defeated the Iron B- uh, Demon, Shane Mercer, 11 minutes and 59 seconds. Tony Deppin would then beat Shaza McKenzie in 16 minutes and 10 seconds, leading our favorite asshole back to the winner's circle. Mm-hmm. Shingahiro Erie defeated the bounty hunter, Brian Keith, at 11 minutes and 37 seconds. In a six-way tag team extravaganza, Thrussy, Alley Catch, Dark Sheik, and Effie defeated Jimmy Lloyd in the second gear crew of One Call Manders and the Southern Psychopath, Matt Warner, in 11 minutes and 37 seconds. They earned that one, obviously. Oh, uh, yeah. Next up in a tag team match, the Bang Bros, August Matthews and Davey Bang defeated Jake Lander and Kevin Lee Davidson, 11 minutes and 41 seconds. Bang Bros trying to get back in the hunt for the GCW World Tag Team Championships. Next... We had the GCW World Championship on the line in a hardcore match as your champion, Masha Slamovich, went one-on-one with Cole Raderick, the king of Wreck Shit Mountain, 13 minutes and 22 seconds. And for the second time in a few months, Cole Raderick came up short as, and still your Game Changer Wrestling World's Champion, Masha Slamovich. Next, we had a three-on-two handicap Lucha Rules match where Myron Reed tagged up with the East-West Express, who are also your Game Changer Wrestling World Tag mm-hmm. Team Champions, Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne, and they defeated Gringo Loco and Commander in 12 minutes and 15 seconds. Yes, three-on-two handicap match. I think that the third member was supposed to be Arez, and he, I guess because of uh, travel issues, right. could not make it. And last but not least, in the main event of the evening, in a fucking death match, pretty much, <laughs> former... GCW World Tag Team Champions, The Rejects, John Wayne Murdoch, and Reed Bentley defeated also former GCW World Tag Team Champions, Los Maciso, Ciclope, and Miedo Extremo, 13 minutes and 22 seconds. And that should be setting up The Rejects for possibly a title shot against the East, West Express. That's going to be a fun program. I would say so. Mm-hmm. Well, they weren't done this past weekend, Ken M, because on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday from Evansville, Indiana at the Evansville Coliseum, GCW presented Red Means Green 2023. The opening context featured Axton Ray and Gringo Loco defeating the Bang Bros, August Matthews and David Bang in 14 minutes and 39 seconds. They won one, they lost one, split mm-hmm. the weekend. Can't go wrong with that. You know what? The bounty hunter, Brian Keith, finally gets in the winner's circle in Game Changer Wrestling as he defeated Calvin Tankman 11 minutes and 8 seconds. In a tag team dream match, Bussy, Alley Catch, and Effie defeated the team of Doug Gilbert and Wildfire, Tommy Rich, in nine minutes and five seconds. That's right. No, no exaggerations, no lying. Doug Gilbert and Wildfire, Tommy Rich, tagging up to take on Bussy in 2023. Amazing. All Heart Blake Christian defeated Myron Reed, 10 minutes and 56 seconds, continuing on his winning streak. Uh, in a tag team death match, Los Maciso, Ciclope Miedo Extremo, defeated Jimmy Lloyd and Shane Mercer in 11 minutes and 54 seconds, getting their win back. Yeah. Oh, and our next match, Hillbilly Jed defeated Jeffrey John, Josh Crane, and Coda Hernandez in 4 minutes and 39 seconds. A little bit of uh, young guys in the ring there. Mm-hmm. 
In a six-man tag team hardcore match, Dark Sheik and the second gear crew team of One Call Manders and Mance Warner defeated Billy Starks, Billy Rock, and Cole Radrick in 20 minutes and 27 <laughs> seconds. Those kids got beat up for 20 minutes. Yes, they did. <laughs> Shigehiro Erie defeated our favorite asshole, Tony Deppin, in 21 minutes and 21 seconds. And in a main event of the evening for the Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Champions, your champions, the East West Express, Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne, took on the Rejects. The Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch, and Reed Bentley. This match got 12 minutes and 4 seconds at the end of the day. And still, your Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Champions, the East West Express. Two great shows this past weekend from Game Changer Wrestling. Anything you want to say about Game Changer Wrestling's huge weekend? Doing phenomenal work. I got to catch up on it. Obviously, we're watching a lot of wrestling. So this is the beauty of having Fight Plus. I can go back and watch them. Beautiful. You know, it's always a good time when you can go back and mm-hmm. watch Fight Plus. Guess what, though? This upcoming weekend on Fight Plus, we've got more action coming from Game Changer Wrestling as they got two big events going down. First, on Friday, April 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time from Center Stage in Atlanta, Georgia, GCW presents Into the Light. You ready to talk about the card? Absolutely. First up, we've got a six-person extravaganza as Thrushy takes on Gringo Loco, Arez, and Jack Cartwheel. Oh, that's going to be a fun match. Oh, absolutely. Next up, the bad boy, Joey Janela, goes one-on-one with the bounty hunter, Brian Keith. Oh, take my money now. Making their return to Game Changer Wrestling, Matt Cardona and Steph D. Lander, they ran their mouths about Game Changer Wrestling, how they're the stars, how they need to be mm-hmm. in matches. Well, guess what? They get to be in a tag team match. Their opponents, the former GCW World Tag Team Champions, Los Macisos. Ooh. <laughs> Macisos don't play. No, they don't. In a match that I can only assume is a big fucking dream match for young Billy Starks, young Billy Starks goes one-on-one with the legendary Allison Danger. Oh. Yeah, that's a fucking hell of a oh, legend. That's match. awesome. In a tag team extravaganza for the Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Champions, your champions, East West Express, take on the Workhorsemen. Oh, God. It's happening. Really? It's, it's going it's, down. It is happening. It's happening. Oh. Look at it. The graphics there. We're getting the Workhorsemen. In a match that I know you and I are looking forward to, Speedball Mike Bailey goes one-on-one with the returning Sauce Alex Zane. That's going to be probably be my match of the weekend. And last but not least, running it back one more time, El Hijo Del Vikingo goes one-on-one with Commander. I'd like to retract my last statement. This will probably be my <laughs> match of the but This is a stack card top to bottom, but those two main of we can just say they're both main events. Like They're going to put on a, a hell of a show. Well, you know what, though? I hate to tell you. That ain't the last show for the weekend because going down on Saturday, April 22nd from the Englewood Center in Orlando, Florida. That's right. The return to Orlando. I was going to say it's they been a while. They haven't been there for in a long time. Game Changer Wrestling at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, by the way. Game Changer Wrestling presents Scene of the Crime. There's uh, some matches announced. You want to talk about them? Yeah, let's do it. Making his return to Game Changer Wrestling, Rich Swan takes on Arez. Okay. In a six-person extravaganza. Thrushy goes one on one, or well, two, three on three, technically, against the King of Wreck Ship Mountain, Cole Raderick, and the Brat Pack. So Billy Starks and uh, uh, what's his name? Fuck, her boyfriend. I can't yeah, remember yeah, his yeah. name off the top of my head. Sorry, I apologize. Uh, next up, we have the JCW. That's right, the Jersey Championship Wrestling Championship is on the line. Your champion, 
the East Coast Ace, Big Breakfast, the Cloud Cutter. Jordan Oliver, you know he's a man with two belts because he's also one half of the game changer wrestling world tag team champions. He puts that belt on the line against Shigehiro Erie. Ooh, that's going to be that's an amazing be, match. That's going to be great. The GCW World Championship will also be on the line this night as your champion Masa Slamovich goes one on one with Sawyer Wreck. Oh, let's go. In a match between two former best friends, and I'm assuming now enemies, All Heart Blake Christian goes one on one with the sauce, Alex Zane. Oh, this will be an interesting match. I think that that uh, undefeated streak that he's been working over the last few months yeah. might uh, come to an end at the hands of Alex Zane. I could see that too. And last but not least, for the Game Changer Wrestling Extreme Championship, your GCW Extreme Champion, the bad boy, Joey Janela, puts the belt on the line against Commander. Ooh, that's going to be a fun match. Guys, check it out wherever you can. GCW Fight Plus, $7.99. You get all those actually. You can go back and watch the ones from last week. It's the best deal in pro wrestling. But you know what else you could watch on Fight.tv? And we watched for sure on Fight.tv. We watched some Impact Wrestling. Yes, we Impact did. Wrestling was back this past Saturday night with one of their biggest pay-per-views of the year and a highly touted one this year as well because Impact Wrestling brought us Rebellion 2023 from one of the coolest-looking venues yeah. that I've ever seen, the Rebel Entertainment Complex in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. How cool was that venue, by the way? The ceiling shot was epic. Well, the building as a whole looked yeah. like a UFO with screens everywhere. The ceiling had screens. It was cool, man. Yeah, it was amazing. It was it was an awesome experience to watch. So we started off with uh, you know the free opening show. We had two pre-show matches and a tag team match. Champagne Singh and Shira defeated Heath and Rhino via pinfall, six minutes and ten seconds. And then in another ta- in a tag team match for the Impact Knockouts World Tag Team Championships, your champions, the Coven, Kylene Kane and Taylor Wilde, were defending the titles against the Death Dolls, Jessica and Rosemary. The champs retain the Coven are still your champs on 11 minutes, 34 seconds. Let's talk about the show kickoff, shall yes, we? Yes, let's do it. First match of the night in an ultimate X match for the Impact World Tag Team Championships. Your championship champions representing the B- B- Bullet Club, ABC, Ace Austin and Chris Bay, taking on the former champs, the Motor City Machine Guns, actually, and Chris Saban. This match got 13 minutes and five seconds at the end of the day. And still, your uh, Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champions, ABC. Fun side note in this match not only was this a great match, my mm. favorite match of the night. I'm going to say this. They were wearing the black and gold. Yeah, that was an interesting uh, choice of tights. For Are them. they going to be Bullet Club black and gold? Are they going to be, you it, know, black and white? Remember, they're going to be on a show in May for Wrestling Revolver with David Finley. Yeah. You know what? The more I was thinking about it, who brought both of them in the Bullet Club? Switchblade Jay White. Yeah, so they're showing loyalty there. So I'm not mad about that, and you know they'll set up something. If they get featured on Forbidden Door, I would be super happy about that. I would, too. Next up, four-on-three handicap match. The team of Dirty Dango, Joe Hendry, and Santina Morella defeated the design. Diener, Angels, Callahan, and Khan by pinfall. 10 minutes and 50 seconds. Biggest story here, though, is finally Sammy, Ca- Sammy Callahan played the long game and got his revenge on Diener. Because he believes in Joe Hendry. No, I think it's just he just wants to cause pain and suffering with a baseball bat. Yeah, that is true. Because once he got the bat, you knew it was game time. 
Next up was the last rights match, which is basically a coffin match where PCO defeated Eddie Edwards in 13 minutes and 49 seconds. And this match was brutal, including a dislocated shoulder that was popped back in. One of the nastiest things I think I've seen in recent memory. I'm just going to throw it out there. PCO, probably not human. No, definitely not human. Then we had the three-way elimination match for the Impact X Division Championship. Your champion, Trey Miguel, defending the title against Jonathan Gresham and Speedball Mike Bailey. Speedball Mike Bailey would eliminate Jonathan Gresham, but then Trey Miguel would eliminate Mike Bailey to be to still be your Impact X Division Champion. Really enjoyed this match. It was a very good match. Next was the 10-wrestler Hardcore War. Team Dreamer, Tommy Dreamer, Bupinder Gujar, Frankie Kazarian, Killer Kelly, and UAU Amore defeated Team Bully, Bully Ray, Brian Myers, Kenny King, Masha Slamovich, and Moose. 25 minutes and 15 seconds. This match was a lot of fun, including the referees refusing to hold the ladder for yes. Bully Ray, but then also then beating up Bully Ray. <laughs> I've never seen five referees beat up a wrestler before, but uh, I enjoyed it. This match had everything. In fact, I need to see more Masha versus Killer Kelly. Yeah, I, I I loved when they had their square offs during this match, but overall this just this had everything that you wanted in a match. How about Killer Kelly bringing the staple gun to the ring? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Killer Kelly's hardcore, if you will. All right, we had our two main event spots for both for the vacant titles. First up, though, the men's Impact World Championship for the vacant title. We had Kushida taking on Steve Macklin. This match got 16 minutes and 30 seconds. At the end of the day, your new Impact World Champion, Steve Macklin. However, the bigger story is happening. Mm-hmm. By the way, great match. Don't know yep. Yes, it. very good match. But before the match, Nick Aldis came out to the commentary's booth and said he has reached a deal with Impact Wrestling. Of course, I think they tipped their hand a little too much. At the end of the match, Steve Macklin said, Hey, I don't want the referee to hand me the belt. Scott Demore, you said that if I could beat your boy Kushida, you would personally hand me this title. Mm. So get your ass out here and keep being a man of your word. Of course, Macklin would want him to put the belt on him. He would just shove the belt at Macklin. So Macklin clocked him upside the head, gave him a little beat down until Nick Aldis made the save. Yeah. Man, I feel bad for Steve Macklin. It looks like he's going to be a transitional champion, as I'm sure the belt will move to the national treasure, Nick Aldis, sooner than later. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I'm happy to see Macklin get the belt, though. I got to say that, because he has put in a lot of work to really step his game up. But I agree with you. I thought this was all telegraphed. The minute we saw Nick Aldis come out, I was like, ah, oh, Which we sucks. Go. I hope they have at least a, a competitive one, maybe give Macklin a couple wins over Aldis and make him earn it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying Aldis shouldn't be champion. He's one of the best wrestlers oh, in no, the world. I agree completely. But... It just kind of sucked that you know the man that you're crowning a man that night, and you got the guy you know is going to take a belt from him, yeah, right at ringside. And in the main event of the evening for the vacant knockouts championship, Jordan Grace taking on Deanna Parazzo. This match got 17 minutes and 10 seconds at the end of the day, and your new Impact Knockouts World Champion, the Virtuosa Deanna Parazzo. So Macklin and Parazzo married in real life. Mm-hmm. They are the king and queen of impact wrestling if you will and uh i enjoyed the women's match immensely oh this is a fantastic match and always happy to see uh Perazzo get the belt you know what they both the ladies left in the ring mm-hmm. that's all we can ask for indeed and i thought it was tremendous but uh if you want to you can go back and check out impacts rebellion uh that was uh that was a pay-per-view so you'd have to pay 39.99 for that one just like the new japan shows were 29.99 for both of them on fight tv but of course if you want to go watch game changer wrestling or any of the other great independent shows that are on fight plus that's only 7.99 so all that great action coming to you from fight.tv 
Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the state of the union of indie wrestling and impact in New Japan in the main event of this week's 607-TWS. Fans, are you ready? Let's get ready to rumble. That's right, let's get ready to rumble. It's time for the main event of this week, 607 TWS. And like we did last week with all elite wrestling, we're going to talk about the state of the union of indie wrestling as well as impact and New Japan. Now, the reason why we're lumping these all together is because they here in the States where we're primarily although me and Ken love all three of these mm-hmm. things and we love indie wrestling. We love New Japan. We love Impact. There's a lot less to talk about and not because it's not like we're not holding people's feet to the flames, but you have to also take where things are in life. Right. AEW is owned by a billionaire. It's got a it's it's supposed to have a big production company. It's supposed to be competition for WWE. So you it has to be held to a higher standard. Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. It's on TNT and TBS. Just like WWE when we talk about it next week. There you go. They're going to be held to a higher standard cuz they are the flag bearer and have been for some time. Right. And I'm not saying we're not holding in the Indies or New Japan or Impact to a standard, but we can't hold them to their standard because if we did that, it wouldn't be fair. Right. Also, we will not be grading them. Whereas we graded AEW and we will be grading WWE, I do believe I gave uh, AEW a B minus and Mm -hmm. you gave them a C, if if I'm not correct. So we will be grading WWE as well on what we think, where the direction is coming into this year, what they should possibly look at changing, what they're doing well, what they're doing. We did that all last week. Mm Mm-hmm. This week, we're just going to kind of say where these places are and where we think they're going in this upcoming year. Okay? Yep. Uh, because, once again, it's unfair to grade them because we can't grade them against things that are on national television it's with different streaming levels. services and pay-per-views. Yeah, it's, it's completely different level. So we have to call it right down the middle as we always do. But the comparisons we have to be very honest with, and you can't say that the budget of a WWE show is the same as a GCW show. It's just not. It's, it's just not. But we'll obviously give you our honest takes about what we've seen because we've watched a lot of wrestling over the past year, and we definitely have some takes that we want to say. One company is worth $9.3 billion. Yeah. The other company, not so much. Yeah. And I'm not. that's not a bad thing. No, it's not. So let's talk about it like this. We're going to lump in all indies together. And my only big thing that I want to talk about the indies, first and foremost, because we kind of mentioned it in passing before, 
the uh, rumors of the demise of the independence has been greatly exaggerated once mm-hmm. again. You know, there's still some shit out there about, well, what do the indies need to do to be better? Listen, man, I've seen pictures from a lot of indies and they're big houses. Big for the indies. I mean, I get it. It's not 90,000 in Wembley. Right. It's not 20,000 in the O2. It's not even a normal Monday Night Raw in an arena that's over 10,000 seats or a normal Dynamite where there's at least 5,000 people in attendance giving them credit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Sometimes more. I'm just saying, like, get, just giving credit where credit. They're not, they're, those, they're not wrestling in those bigger villain buildings. Even AEW, who wrestles in smaller buildings technically, not all the time, but most of the time than WWE, they're not, you know, they're still drawing bigger crowds. I get it. But you, once again, you can't hold them to the same standard. But when you look at uh, Pops and Saga, Illinois, and it's a packed house for Game Changer Wrestling. When you tune in this upcoming week to Atlanta, Georgia at center stage, and it's a packed house for Game Changer Wrestling. Let's go. Let's flip the script, though. Right here in the state of New York, one of the better indies in the state of New York that most people don't know about. And you can watch them, uh, by the way, on IWTV, independentwrestling.tv for all that out there, $9.99 a month. Great place to watch. We're going to talk more about the streaming services second and how that helps indie wrestling but esw empire state wrestling mm-hmm. they did a how they did a show this past weekend and it was a packed house from a gymnasium i saw the pictures and went well you know there's at least 500 people there if not more right. at least i'm not counting heads but you know what in the indies anything above 100 is pretty good and a lot of these shows are drawing two three four five hundred or more i'm just throwing it out there i've been in the carousel room with a thousand people mm-hmm. for a game changer wrestling show you know what I mean? It's it's at the end of the day when people are like, well, what do we need to do? Maybe there's some indies in some states that aren't doing well. And, and I would say that that's on, hey, book better talent. Exactly. Get better wrestlers, book better stories, book whatever you have to do. Get people in the door, advertise more. Maybe you're not advertising enough. I don't know because I don't know your specific thing. If you're a promoter or a booker of a wrestling company or a wrestler who's worried about a promotion they work for, and you want my God's honest opinion, contact uh, me. Go go to 3FNpodcast.com. Get the social medias. Hit me with a, a message, a DM, whatever. And we can, you know, I won't mind chit-chatting with you. Maybe there's something I can help you with. As being a person who used to book wrestling and do other jobs in the wrestling business, I'll, th- I'll throw it out to you. Maybe I can help you look at something that's not. I'm not asking anything in return. I just love the indies that much. You know, I'm not going to come to the show and book the show or whatever for you, but I can give you some pointers or I can give you a fresh pair of eyes because I'm not invested or tied into it. Mm-hmm. So may- maybe it's a, maybe it's, you're not bringing in talent. Maybe, you know, you've rubbed people the wrong way. Or you know what? A lot of it is advertisements. I, uh, if I can jump in for a second. I think that that's the biggest problem right now because you have a lot of promotions and you have a lot of wrestlers that are not taking advantage of social media outlets. And I understand that social media can be very toxic, but here's the deal. At the end of the day, it is your brand that you need to put out there and get more eyes on, and especially with streaming services, doing shows on Twitch. You need to be your own advocate to get people to watch, and you need to really go heavy week of show promoting. You can't do it an hour before and hope that people tune in. You really got to create a buzz for your program so people can tune in if they're not attending it locally. But that's one of the biggest things that I've seen, that you have a lot of shows going on. And we're not saying the GCWs because I think they do a great job about doing their promotion. But when you're seeing some other feds that are really you know, kind of in that like middle-of-the-road area, this is a spot that you need to have your wrestlers out there hitting the pavement, really putting something out. Even if you don't like it, share a link to the website of your federation. Share a link to the Twitch channel. Share a link to wherever you're streaming from. Get people to check your stuff out. Well, that's a, I, I'm glad you said that because here's the thing. 
Game Changer Wrestling and Beyond Wrestling and West Coast Pro and PWG, which they don't do streaming, but still is a big time wrestling company, mm-hmm. and uh, Wrestling Revolver and et cetera, et cetera. All the companies you hear us talk about, they're on Fight Plus or IWTV or High Spots for some of the people. And what happens is they have, you know, for $9.99 a month on IWTV or $7.99 for Fight Plus, you get to watch all these different wrestling companies. So right now, yes, as a local independent, it's a little hard to compete with that, but how you compete with it is making the live event better. You might not have the GCW roster or West Coast Pro roster or Beyond Wrestling roster. You might not be able to get those people because they're booked elsewhere. You might not be able to afford them. I get it for your small market. Sure. However, are you giving the fans the best entertainment you can? So that's got to be a question you have to ask yourself because they, you know, are your ticket prices out of reach? I've seen people who are doing local shows charging 30, 40 bucks for a ticket. Yeah, which is crazy. Guys, if you don't have big names on your show, you should probably be charging between 10 and 20. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I understand there's costs out there, but come on, man. If you're paying the most of the guys on the card $30 or less, yeah. You know, you, you just if you're passing it along, I'm not telling you how to run your business, but don't complain about it either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm just saying there's ways. And also wrestlers, and I've said this a million times, wrestlers, take 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 some ownership of the places you work. Because at the end of the day, that is what reflects on you as an athlete. Do you want to make it to a Game Changer Wrestling? Do you want to make it on a Beyond Wrestling show, a West Coast Pro show, et cetera, et cetera? Do you want to make it to AEW or WWE? Do you want to make it to Japan or Mexico or Europe? You know how you get your name out there? By wrestling and by networking. And one of the best ways to get a promoter to book you, especially in a territory you don't live in. If you're from New York, and you, you should be trying to get booked everywhere. Yes, in New York, but also New Jersey and mm-hmm. Pennsylvania and Ohio and, Chica- and Illinois. Hell, maybe even think about going down and doing a Southern run in South Carolina and Georgia and North Carolina, whatever. The way you do that is... If you want a promoter to take a chance on you, first of all, you got to reach out respectively. But also, they're going to look at your social media presence. And they're going to go, is this a guy who's advertising the shows that he's on? Because if I'm going to bring him on my show, I want him to advertise. So as a promoter, I would say, if your business is down, seek how to get people to view you on a YouTube or a Twitch. Or if you can get a deal to get on IWTV, High Spots, or uh, Fight Plus, do that if you have enough that you can do that mm-hmm. that's a good way to get you out there because then you're going to earn revenue from people who don't live in your area putting it up there but listen youtube and twitch are a great idea i mean i don't know too much about rumble but i know they're going on they have shit on rumble yeah which is the new kind of youtube you I'm know whatever still, yeah still i'm not i'm not in that, on it yeah. I, I have no opinions on it i don't know if people are pissed off about it or whatever but once again as a business person, put it on all of them. Yeah. <laughs> put it on Twitch. Run it live. I know Rumble's easy to run live on, from what I understand. Put it on Rumble and Twitch live and put it on YouTube after. Cut it down. Cut the shit out that YouTube will take down. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, and you shouldn't worry about monetizing. You might be able to, but you should worry about eyes on the product because that'll mm-hmm. get people in the house or at least getting eyes on the product. And as a wrestler, to help your cause, man, if you're looking at lighthouses where you're working... Are you inviting friends and family if you live near it? Are you on social media saying, hey, I'm going to be wrestling here, here, and here multiple times a week? Mm-hmm. Are you you know, going on to podcasts if you get an opportunity and promoting shows? Are you doing the best you can? Because once again, promoting these shows is promoting people to come see you, which is getting you jobs, which at the end of the day will get you noticed by bigger companies. Mm-hmm. So it's a win-win for you too. Now, mind you, yes, most of the promotion should fall on the promoter because it's their money, right? Mm-hmm. But 
you have to take some ownership too because you're in a business where you're trying to get noticed. Mm. Just my opinion. So that's what I see from the indies, man. But the indies are strong. I'm seeing big houses from the bigger indies. I'm seeing bigger houses from the small and mediums that I'm seeing. Yeah. I'm seeing our local Excite Wrestling does two, three hundred a show. Now they have two buildings and they're doing two, three hundred, you know, both nights. One in Elmira, one in Binghamton, the X and X two. I mean, hey. If you know, and I'm and once again, Johnny Moose has been doing it for a while and he knows what he's doing, but at the same point, juncture, you know, it's if if you know, and it's not it's this is not an insult at my buddy Johnny Moose, but if he can fucking juggle a full time governmental job and two training facilities where they have kids training in schools mm-hmm. and two shows a month at the very least, you know, if you're a promoter that's promoting a monthly show, you know, you should be able to do it too. I'm yeah. just saying. I don't know. Uh, so that's where I think on the indies. I think the indies are very fucking healthy, and there's no better time as a wrestling fan for your fans out there. If you're looking for an alternative or you're just looking for more wrestling, Fight Plus has got your hookup. IWTV's got your hookup. Highspots.tv has your hookup. There's a lot of places you could look. Wrestle, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, the Wrestle Universe, mm-hmm. uh, the one that uh, I watched uh, Noah and, and the such on from Japan. So there's a lot of stuff out there. You'll check it out. Let's move over to Impact Wrestling, shall we? Because this is now yes. we're going to get it. This is a little more meat and potatoes. Listen, man, quietly, I think because people have written Impact Wrestling off for dead so many times and they're not on TV, really. I understand they do have a small deal, mostly in Canada, but it's not a big deal. Anthem is not a huge company. Mm-hmm. So most of the time you get to watch them is through their YouTube deal that they have, uh, which is like their, you know, and it's not expensive. I think it was like, what, we looked it up seven ninety nine a month? Yeah, it was oh, there's bad. two tiers. There's one tier that's like four ninety nine, and you get to watch the replays. If you want to watch shit live, it's like seven ninety nine. So that's a good deal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, besides that, I mean... You know, I would say get on TV, but I fuck it. The, if it's work, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think what they need to do is kind of, you know, the stank is going to be on Impact forever. Mm-hmm. But if they keep, I, I would get the clips on YouTube, man. I would get the clips on social. You know me, I'm uh, eh, whatever about social media. Right. But in the case of a wrestling company like Impact, you have a YouTube channel. Put up the clips for free to get people interested, man. Put up, you know, I, I they do for the most part, but they're not all the time. Get them on the socials, man. Mm-hmm. And get people hyped because they're doing, quietly, they're doing some of the best work of any fucking wrestling promotion on the planet. Oh, absolutely. I haven't tuned into a bad Impact pay-per-view in eh, about a year and a half. In Yeah, in ring work, they're always on point. They show up for the big stage, and they always deliver. Like I said, I think, what was it, Bound for Glory? I think it was Bound for Glory last year. Last year. Yeah, that was kind of a subpar on their standards to us. Which, you know, like their subpar shows are still very, very good. The thing that they do, they have the best women's roster in wrestling. In Facts. my opinion, if you're Facts. watching women's wrestling, Impact's Knockouts Division is the best division in wrestling. That includes WWE. Uh, bar none. I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. I mean, Masha Slamovich is there. Killer Kelly is there. Perazzo. Perazzo's there. Jordan Grace is there. Uh, Mickey James, when she's healthy, will be back. Uh, you know, uh, you know the, the fucking sky is the limit over there. They mm-hmm. got, and I'm, We're not even naming all. Giselle Shaw's over there. Fucking Taylor Wilde. Taylor Wilde's over there. You know, Rosemary, Jessica, fucking... Uh, I'm missing a bunch of people, but like, trust me, there's a shit ton of From people. From top to bottom. And they're all talented. Yeah. All fucking talented. So they have the best women's division in wrestling, in my opinion. 
On top of that, they have one of the best tag divisions in wrestling. Mm-hmm. You got the machine guns, you got ABC, you've got, you know, design. You got there's so many good things going on there and you got a good strong men's division whether it's the X division or the world title picture. I think the, the, the total package is there. Their focus isn't on, on the in-ring work and their focus definitely doesn't need to be on contenders because they have that. I think they just need to do a better job of advertising themselves. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is they need to do a better job on the storylines. Uh, sometimes they hit home runs and other times they just murder people off. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Reasons. Uh, like not, not like I shouldn't say literally because they're not really dead. Right. But literally they're dead and gone. Yeah. They write, that's how they write story, some uh, characters off the show. Yeah. We've had that happen a few times. Yeah. A few times. So at least once a year. Yeah. Pretty much. I think Taya Valkyrie was the last. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, that's my take on Impact. What's your take? Impact is the best kept secret in all of wrestling because I think the people need to make more buzz about them because the in-ring work is second to none. It's always a solid show. Some of the storylines, I think, need a little work here and there. Obviously, the whole uh, annual murder scenario is what it is, and I understand they're trying to have a little fun with that when uh, some wrestler is leaving. But at the same time, they're trying to do stuff. They're really trying to focus it back on wrestling. I think they've made some great signings over the past uh, couple of years, and they're really just focusing on putting on the best wrestling show possible. They're not worried about what everybody else is doing, and I think that's a big feather in their cap. Absolutely. Now that's going to bring us to New Japan Pro Wrestling, the big dog in Japan, second largest wrestling company on the planet. Uh, here's the thing. I, I'm a fan and not a fan of the Forbidden Door with AEW. Mm-hmm. They also run a Forbidden Door, if you will, with Impact. So it's, it's good business to get it over here. We have NJPW Strong. It does very well here in the States uh, as far as a following, but it's, it's more of a call following. New Japan Pro Wrestling is, is a little rougher one because you got to remember, at the end of the day, it's New Japan. Yeah pro wrestling and what that means and i'm only reason i'm saying that is because obviously they're catering more to the japanese fan and how the japanese fan pursue uh, consumes wrestling and for the most part they consume wrestling way different from us because they treat it like a sport they, they don't believe it's real mm. <laughs> they still know it's a work right but they but they treat it like a sport yeah and in the States, a lot of times we don't. And that's why over there they have teams, just like you have fight teams in MMA. Mm-hmm. They have different cliques, and, and and they don't necessarily have heels and faces. There are people the crowd doesn't like and there's you know that are heels, technically, and there's people the crowd likes more. But you can watch a match where like a heel, like Jay White, yeah. gets over because they, per, they enjoy his sacrifice and his performance. At the end of the day, that's what matters. And so it gets confusing sometimes to American wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. So if you're not about the in-ring action, New Japan's probably not for you. Yeah. Although there is a myth that New Japan doesn't tell stories, and I think New Japan sells some of the best stories in wrestling. I think that when you look at it, but they're not over the top. They're no. not the stuff you're going to see on WWE TV. They're not the stuff you're going to see on AEW even. Even though AEW tries to borrow a lot from New Japan, they fall short on borrowing the actual concept of booking a show. And the reason I say, and that's not a shot at AEW, it's just in in, in New Japan, their stories are based on what we just said, athletic performance. Mm-hmm. This guy is going after this guy because he either wants to advance up the ladder to get the title shot or he's tr- he's getting a title shot. Yeah. And at the same time, they do have hatreds and feuds. There's guys who are rivals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they get in there, but they don't do silly shit. They might attack the guy after a match. They might, you know, beat the guy up at the press conference or something like old school heat. Right. But it's not like they're out here going, I'm going to bang your sister. Yeah. No, they're very traditional in their storyline setups and everything has a has a very noted logic to it. 
Like if person A beats person B, then C scenario happens. If they don't, then it's D. Like they just really flow very well. They also have this really cool thing, and and this is for fans of it. Now, mind you, this is what I think drives some fans away. And this is if they're trying to get more in the U.S. market, they would have to cater more to it. And I think they kind of did in the last two American shows. Mm -hmm. We didn't see that there was multi-man tags, but we didn't see a ton of them. Mm -hmm. Usually on a house show in Japan, you see a lot of six-man and eight-man tag team matches. And the reason for that is they take a bunch of different feuds and rivalries, and it's a way to get, and like I said, everybody's pretty much in a team. So it's a way to get the two wrestlers they're building to to touch if you will, to right. touch in the ring, to excite the crowd, to get them built up for the big match. Like the one coming up is Dantaku is the next big show. Mm -hmm. So they're getting people excited to watch the new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Sonata, and whoever he's going to go against there because I don't think they've made that decision yet. Right. We're going to see that build here on the road to Dantaku. But as we see it, you'll notice it clearly because Sonata will be on a, in a six-man with two other members of just five guys against, let's say he's going to be going up against Naito, which I don't know if that's the plan. I don't because I don't think they've said anything in stone. He just won the belt. <laughs> yeah. So let's say it's Naito, though, just for argument's sake. So you would see a match in you know on the road to uh, Dantaku when they're in... Osaka or whatever. I'm not looking at the schedule, so I don't know. And the match will be, you know, uh, Kanemura, um, Tai Chi, and Sonata versus Shingo, uh, Naito, and Takahashi. Mm -hmm. And that way you can get those two guys to touch. And then maybe the next event, it's a four-way match. Yeah. It's an eight-man tag. So he's got two other partners. And then maybe one of the matches, because they're going for the main of they're going to be in the main event. It's just Sonata and Kanemura versus Takahashi and Naito, like it was in the States. And then what happens there is we're building interest. They did that at that show in Washington. Mm -hmm. You had LIJ, the tag team of Takahashi and Naito, take on Sonata and Kanemura. And the storyline is at Dantaku. Kanemura gets a shot at the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title that Takahashi has. Mm. Because he gives him the shot at a future event, which I would assume would be probably Dominion or something, or, or a show before then, that means Takahashi's getting a shot at Sonata. Yeah. So there's a big storyline there. So win, lose, or draw against Kanemura, he's going to get a shot because that was the deal. Mm. So simplistic storytelling. And here's the thing. Sonata turned his back on LIJ, which he had been in for the entirety of LIJ, mm -hmm. and to join this new faction, just five guys. Well, it was just four guys. No, it's just five yeah, guys. No, it's, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, So there's the storyline that he turned his back on them, so there's that rivalry, plus now we have this deal in place that everybody knows about. So that's what I'm talking about, simplistic fucking booking. Mm -hmm. So people think that they don't tell stories. It's like the Omega Okada quadrilogy of matches, mm -hmm. which actually it would be a sync. Synctology or whatever it is for five. Yeah, yeah. They did five overall. Uh, there was a story there, especially when those three matches. Mm -hmm. The story was in the first match, it took everything. It was kind of like Rocky. Yeah. It took everything for Okada to come out the victor. In match number two, it took everything and Okada doesn't get the pin. Okada's going over, and as time runs out, he drapes his arm over. The referee counts it to two, and the bell rings because the time limit's up. So he doesn't pin Okada, or he doesn't pick Omega. The third match is in a G1 match, and, and Omega gets the quick pin, gets a quick pin out of nowhere. So now it's 1-1 with a tie. Mm -hmm. So when we go into the third match, it's two out of three falls. Yeah, And everybody's always said, Omega's never hit the one-winged angel on Okada. That's the key factor. We've seen Okada hit the Rainmaker. We've seen Kenny Omega kick out of it. We've never seen the one-winged angel. And we get to the third fall, 
tied one fall apiece, and we finally see the one-winged angel for the win. Mm-hmm. That storytelling, folks, I don't know how you don't understand it. Yeah. They told a beautiful story about it was almost like Rocky. Mm-hmm. Kenny Omega came to the dance and almost got it done. Then he gets a rematch, and technically Okada doesn't beat him. So then Okada challenges him to the – well, the, the G1 match happens in between. But because Okada didn't beat him in that second match – that's why he got the third match in the two out of three falls. Yeah, it makes sense. Because Okada's like, I have to prove I can beat you. And it's got to be two out of three falls with no time limit because mm-hmm. I want to make sure I beat you. And that match is like an hour and 14 minutes long. Yeah. But it's great because that's the story. It's where we're building. So, once again, like I said, I understand Like the hard part about New Japan to tell fans of not New Japan is unless you like the in-ring performance of wrestling and you like different styles because I understand that it gets the rap that it's all strong style, but it's not. Mm. You got technical wrestlers like Zack Sabre Jr. wrestling on the mat. Mm-hmm. Amazingly, mm-hmm. you got the high flyers in the junior heavyweight division. You got the strong style guys, and then you guys guys like that are like I think next level performers and guys like Naito and Okada and Tanahashi who just transcend everything. Yeah, like those guys can do a little bit of everything. And uh, you know, and of course Omega's back over there as your IWGP US champion. You've got Will Osprey coming back from injury. You know, it's 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 an interesting world we live in. Uh, there's a lot of great uh, wrestlers over there, but once again, if you don't like the in ring product you're not going to like New Japan. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot, there's a lot of, and this is not a shot, but there's a lot of AEW fans who get upset about Forbidden Door yeah, because they're not really a fan of the complete in-ring action. Right. Does that make sense? I mean, I'm no, not saying they don't sense. like in-ring action, no, but, but it's pure in Japan. It's it's a different style that they don't see every week on AEW, and it's not a very indie style. It's, it's, it's all New Japan's own. Yeah. You know, the, the American style is more, which is kind of funny because the American style is more American Peruso. Yeah. Which is very heavily influenced by Japan uh, because of guys like Samoa Joe, CM Punk, Homicide, and that ilk. And that's just kind of how it is. But right. It's not the same. It's different. We still have other things because the American style is really a melting pot of wrestling. You have a catch style from the, the from Europe. You have that Peruso style from Japan. You have a little lucha from Mexico. And we just kind of melted them all into our own style. So that's why American wrestling is can is kind of fast paced and heavy move still. Yeah. <laughs> Which is an interesting it, it it's great. I don't I'm not complaining about American wrestling at all. I'm just saying that Japan wrestling is a little different. Mm. And not understanding that there's not a guy necessarily that you have to chew or cheer or boo is a whole other problem. So that's why it's hard to grade it, but man, New Japan's doing the right thing because they're getting the foot in the door in the US and they are picking up more fans. And that's why I kind of agree with the forbidden door. Because, yeah, it's kind of like there's fans that don't want it, but it's exposing a lot of fans to the New Japan style. And those fans who are looking for that in-ring stuff, they found a new home. It's all about exposure, and that's New Japan's doing the right thing about trying to broaden the horizons and bringing their talent over to the U.S. Well, overall, those are just kind of what's going on. I think this year is going to be full of great things. I'm hoping El Desperado stays on his uh, path to ascension. We're going to be keeping our eyes on Nick Aldis in the uh, Impact Championship. Of course, uh, when Josh Alexander's coming back, is going to be a big factor as well in that wonderful knockouts division now led once again by the virtuosa Diana Peraza. So I think Impact Wrestling and New Japan are in good fucking hands. Well, that's going to do it, Ken. But before we go, tell the fine folks one more time how to find you in the ODPH Podcast. Keep it short, keep it sweet, odphpodcast.com. And as I will I, if you want to get a hold of me or talk anything, 3FNpodcast.com for all information. Well, we are at the end of the show, folks. We'll be back next week and next week in the main event, State of the Union, WWE. We've talked, and you know, we have a little bit of stuff we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, but 
but we've kind of stayed away from it. That's going to be another big heavy hitter because the Endeavor stuff is definitely going to come up because mm-hmm. the future is, that's what the future is. It's either going to be bright or an albatross or nothing changes. Yeah. We'll find out and we're going to talk about that and run all those scenarios next week. Plus, we'll be talking about the Game Changer Wrestling stuff and any news that should pop up that we have to just throw our two cents on because uh, we got to talk people off the ledge sometimes. Yeah. Just saying. But until then, for myself, for Ken M, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later, wrestling fans! If you take my hand, we could order Chinese food, get high and then watch New Japan Rainmaker, my heart so damn hard I can no longer stand in this room I'm starting to swoon, the walls made of neon But I can't stop looking at you Looking Top ropes, one, two.